welcome to episode 17 of Bootstrapped. I'm Andre Butov of Anter. I'm here as always with Ian Lensman from Userscape. And this week we're joined by Rachel Andrew, um, who makes Perch the little CMS. Right? Well, Hello. And what's the company name? I forgot. Edgeofmyseat.com. Edge Edgeofmyseat.com. You're already unprepared. I know, <laughs> man. Well, it's, it's early, so you got to give me some leeway. That's true. I'll cut you a little slack. Yeah, so, so what's going on this week? This week we have uh, two major uh, topics. Uh, one is Perch, CMS, and all the bootstrapping goodness that Rachel came prepared with, of course. And uh, the other is um, the little uh, forum thingy we all started, right? Yeah, so yeah. discuss.bootstrap.fm. If you haven't seen it, there's a new uh, new form up there. And yeah, it came about from the community, it encouraged us to do it. And so far, it's doing great. Yeah, I think um, we were talking about the business of software forums that we were all on a decade ago and how uh, Hacker News is a little um, depressing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we thought it would be a nice thing to have around, but we didn't do anything about it because, you know, raising a community is, is kind of like raising a marketplace. It's just just impossible. And then Rachel and, and, and Mike and, uh, and a whole bunch of other people just sort of chimed in and said, hey, we're going to do everything. You just have to sit back and relax. Okay. <laughs> so we went to bed and uh, we woke up and the next morning, uh, our everybody uh, who, who isn't us, uh, Rachel and Mike, seem to have brought this uh, forum to life. So now we have a discuss.bootstrap.fm running on, what is that, Discourse, Ian? Yep, Discourse is the forum software by uh, Jeff Atwood of Stack Overflow fame. Yeah, so uh, everybody who helped us is uh, is either an admin or a moderator, and honestly, they've done uh, orders of magnitude more work than, than either Ian or I on this thing. But this thing has blown up. Apparently. Yeah, it's great, yeah. Over the course of six days or however long it's been up, less than that, I think. It's yeah, maybe now, it's a week now, I think, if it's like seven days. But yeah, I mean, it's already hundreds of users and... Tons four, of conversations. Yeah, 430 posts. Incredible. <laughs> I, I wish my, my products had like uh, had customer uh, attention like this and sign-up <laughs> rates. I would have well, been... I would have been no, well, I, honestly, I would have still been sitting in front of my computer, but I would have had a drink with an umbrella in it. So. <laughs> well, I think it's, it was surprising because it was like, um, I just think there was all this like pent up energy out there. So it's like when when Mike and Rachel said, hey, you guys should do this. And I was like, okay, you know, we talked talked to Andre about it and just threw it up on a Rackspace cloud site. And, you know, Mike set it all up and everybody spread the word a little bit, uh, you know, set up the software and then everybody kind of helped spread the word and it's like all this pent up energy for a place to that's uh that's polite and civil and <laughs> you know where uh, you can kind of share this kind of information um there's not really a good hub for that these days and mm. so uh so yeah it's, so far it's doing great i think it's sort of starting to suffer from um not having a name so like like the business of software forum was that's like how we refer to it the business of software forum but mm-hmm. all we really have is a URL so I think if I follow like the Hollywood pattern the business of software forum was the original we would have to be like the revenge of the business of software forum or <laughs> I, I, I was a teenage business of software forum or something like that. but I think we need a name of some sort yeah maybe 
Now is it too late already? Though we are, we already have our branding in place. I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah, I guess. So anyway, it's discussed that bootstrapped dot fm, and it's linked to from the main site. So. Yeah, but it's already been some really interesting topics. Like I've learned, you know, several things already, and gotten some good ideas, and uh, also touched base with people who, you know, either I never actually communicate with, but know of, um, or people I haven't talked to in years, that kind of thing. So. Uh, it's been great. And all like the quality of the post has been really high. People, you know, uh, putting time into it, not just a bunch of one liners, but thoughtful multi paragraph, you know, replies with actual examples and links and useful bits. So it's been really good. Yeah. All right. So I don't have anything else on that. Just yeah. it's there. It's there. It's going. Sure, we'll have more on it in the future. It's going to be a great resource for the podcast too. I think. Well, I'm sure we'll get lots of good ideas for. Uh, yeah, we could take some topics. Top- topics off there and maybe yeah. guests and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So, Rachel. Yeah. What's going on? Why don't you give us the the back history here, Rachel? Because you guys have been doing this for a long time, so I think it's always good to just kind of give us the the overview of how you know Edge of My Seat got started and its progress because it's had a. Not wasn't just always a, a software company. So I think uh, for people who don't know you, there's probably a few people who don't know you. So you can give the uh, the backstory and we'll take it from there. Okay, oh, yeah. Were you guys like the coffee cup software who actually started as a coffee cup place in 1897? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? Not quite. I'm not quite that old. <laughs> that <would be> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I started the company in uh, 2001. I worked through the sort of dot-com crash in kind of, those sort of dot-com companies. Um, and yeah, I, I realized that was all getting really dodgy and decided I might do better on my own. I had a, my daughter was sort of three and a half, four at the time. Um, and so I decided I would start my own thing and essentially just write code for people. Um, so really I started as a software, as a sort of a, a web development consultancy, just doing people's code, actually fixing broken stuff mainly. And it was mm-hmm. just me. And what happened was as sort of these companies, these sort of dot-com companies, I guess like a lot of the startups today, had a load of funding, ran out of money, sacked all their developers, and they were kind of still limping along with broken code. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there was, there was quite a lot of use for a developer who could fix other people's code. Um, so right. <laughs> so that's, that was a lot of what I did for, for a couple of years. And then I started picking up clients. And, and ultimately, we ended up really doing development for design agencies. So people would say... Um, they'd do the design, they'd have, they'd have a project that they couldn't uh, do the development on because uh, that was just over the sort of skills they had. They couldn't use an off-the-shelf thing. So they'd chuck it over to us, we'd build it and send it back. And that's really what we were doing. Um, Drew joined the company. Uh, he was working at Yahoo and then um, he joined the company. Uh, we're a married couple. Mm-hmm. So then it was the two of us doing development work for design agencies and uh, sort of slowly getting more frustrated at uh, swapping our time for money, I guess. Right. right. Uh, so about sort of four years ago, we decided to build this little content management system product. And the kind of backstory is that, of that is that we tended to build big CMS things for people based on a framework we'd developed. And um, what was happening is those design agencies were coming back to us and saying, well, have you got something to recommend that's smaller, you know, just for those little things that they didn't want to use WordPress for whatever reason, you know, have you got something that's good and small? And we right. didn't. So we thought we'd build it. And having built it, 
or well, even just in the process of building it, we thought, you know, we could sell this as a separate thing, as a, as a product rather than a, a service. Sure. And, and so that's really how it started. And um, it was completely bootstrapped. You know, we, I mean, Drew did most of the, the development of the Perch Core. And it, that was about three weekends worth of work to get that first um, version of it out. And about the same on all the other stuff that you have to build, you know, the website and how you're going to sell it and setting right. up support and all that kind of thing. So it didn't take a huge amount of time to get it to version one. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, so yeah, so then we, we put it out. We'd spend a bit of money on it, you know, on sort of legal stuff and UI design. Neither of us are designers. We're both developers. So we got some UI design done. We put it out and in 24 hours it had made us, um, you know, it paid back all the money we'd spent on it to that point. So then we thought, well, this actually might succeed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got something here. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Except was, you're, not, yeah. you're not actually supposed to be successful at releasing a CMS. It's one of those things that every developer, <laughs> every developer wants to do, like a bug tracker. You're not supposed well, to be able to make money off <laughs> bug trackers or CMSs. Yeah, well, well, we did actually try and build a bug tracker before that, and that of was course. not so successful. That's great. Everybody's <laughs> built a bug tracker. Like, literally, I don't know anybody who's not built a bug tracker at least one time. Our bug tracker was going to be based on getting things done principles. Um, that was kind of the idea. But, uh-huh. yeah, we... We did totally, totally opposite tack with that. You know, we spent ages on it, talking about it, thinking about right. it for ages, messing around with it, writing code. We had right. a, an intern working for us. We did a load of work on it, and it was it just went on and on and on, and never got launched. Um, right. Whereas Perch was completely the opposite. It was built very, very quickly. We said, right, we need this thing. Let's build it and let's get it out there. Yeah. Um, I think that was uh, that was the best way, really. And, and you know, then just started adding stuff that people wanted and improving things. Now, Perch is um, installable on the customer's servers, right? You didn't go the SaaS route, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the, it, the time, there was another, well, there's, it's still around, there's a thing called uh, Cushy CMS, which is a hosted thing. And one of the things someone had asked us was, oh, do you know anything that's a bit like Cushy CMS, but that, is, that you install yourself? And so that was kind of on our radar at the time, was that, well, that would be something that we'd build. Hmm. A, a while back... And it's one of the conversations that keep that I keep in my head. I had with Ian. Um, I don't remember what the conversation was about. We were talking about products. We always talk about new products when we meet at Cheesecake Factory. And um, one of the new things that I wanted to build, I don't even remember what it was anymore. But the question came up as to whether it should be SaaS or installable on the customers' servers. It's sort of always the question that comes up with like web products. Mm-hmm. And. Ian's response, I always remember, he said, it's always tempting to zig when the other guys are zagging. And at the mm-hmm. time, everybody was doing SaaS apps, so he was referring to that. So I was wondering if Perch, if the decision of making Perch installable uh, was was sort of like a, uh, a, a differentiator marketing decision or whether it was by some technical uh, force. Um, I, a bit of both, I guess. I guess looking at the sort of customers, you know, people – want to be able to own their own stuff and i think that was part of it you know that people should be able to sort of create their own content and whatever and then own that and not be tied to us you know if, if they're not happy with us as a company well they can still run perch you know they can take it away and um that was kind of important and i think you know went a, lot, a long way with how we were as a service business you know we used to develop stuff for people and be very very careful that they weren't tied to us if they wanted to take the stuff we'd built for them and go somewhere else that was always cool and we kind of wanted to bring that to the product as well we didn't want people to feel that they were somehow beholden to us once they were using our product and worried about us going away yeah. um so that was so 
that was kind of knowing what that audience was like. Um, and, I, you know, I think actually, as it happened at the time, you know, more and more people were just quite happily entrusting all their data to, to SaaS. And we're actually seeing a little bit, I think, of a kickback against that now, where people are realizing that sometimes those companies don't hang around or they get bought and they go in a direction you don't like. And then, well, if all your content's in there, you know, what do you do about that? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of works for us in the sort of market we've got, although it does, well, as Ian knows, bring its own challenges when you've got a uh, people who are hosting things on their own terrible, terrible hosting. Right. <laughs> terrible hosting, <laughs> the, the bane of all of our existence. Someday, I mean, I swear, if I knew anything like about serious hosting, I would so build a hosting company that was completely optimized for satisfying like existing like PHP apps because like even not, not even truly satisfying them, but just making hosting that was really specific for them because like, and that was affordable where you could just send your customers all there. Cause like, that's such a tricky thing to like for people when they get on these bad hosting companies, it's just horrible. Uh, you know, the weird errors they get and, and all that, but yeah. uh, the, the ways that you can configure PHP badly are, are many and varied and yes, yes. <laughs> quite baffling. Yes. <laughs> And I think you guys only you're only on MySQL, right? So you don't have the multiple database thing, which adds another layer of yeah, we're, yeah, we're interesting just... challenges to to help spot. But uh, but well, the nice thing about well with CMS too and being on premise, you kind of always have that. Unlike a lot of other business apps, you know there is a strong need usually to customize. And obviously with a SaaS app, it gets difficult to allow people to you know write custom scripting logic and actually execute it on your SaaS platform. So that is a big advantage where, you know, obviously the WordPress is an open source apps of the world and then the commercial apps like Perch, which are um, downloadable, you know, have an advantage there over SaaS, especially in CMS, because you're almost always want to customize it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's tricky to allow people that really flexible customization if you're just a pure SaaS setup. Right, yeah. I mean, some of the things we see are, are people who are using Perch to kind of edit the sort of micro copy in another app. So they've built some app. Um, we've got people who are using Laravel, for instance, and um, you know they'll have built some other app. But then it's got all those little bits of content around the place that you need to edit, you know, on right. different pages. And they'll use Perch for that mm. and, and sort of and, and link the two together. And so hmm. it's it's quite interesting. We see that sort of stuff going on, and that's the stuff that you wouldn't get if you had you know, a hosted thing because people can't do that kind of stuff as easily. So it's quite interesting the way people use it. Um, do you see a, them using it so along those lines, like just essentially like just for the administrative panel and then, yeah, just totally customizing the front or just directly accessing the elements within it and embedding them in places, that kind of thing, and just to get that nice admin UI? Yeah, I mean... All sorts of things. I mean, you can quite easily add things into, you know, add things as sort of apps into the Perch admin as well. Um, mm. That's fairly straightforward. So, you know, we've got an API so people can build their own stuff. Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, it's it's a whole range of stuff we see people doing. And that's that's really interesting. It's, it's I think people see Perch very much as this, as this little simple thing, but then there's some quite interesting stuff going on with it um, that we see. Well, one of the things that uh, you brought up on the forum was the idea of, how to um, expose Perch in a way so that people understand it can be used for you know these mm. more advanced functions and that it has an API and all these advanced features, but still not lose you know your kind of 
bread and butter customer who just wants a simple CMS that's mm. easy to use and and how those are kind of conflicting needs there and marketing to those different groups mm. is challenging. Um, yeah, so I don't know well, if you've had any insights there since you started that thread, but yeah, well, actually that was really interesting. It, it did sort of lead us here to talk a bit about it. I mean, it's it's something we find tricky. I think folks, we spend a lot of our time talking to the people who have very simple needs because they're often the people who haven't used a CMS before. Right. Um, and so they'll come into support and we'll talk to them. So I think we've got quite a skewed view sometimes of who's using our software. And I think that's probably the same for everyone. You know, you, you talk to, we ran some stats actually because of HelpSpot and we've got our nice stats. We can, we see that nice. we hear, we hear from 25% of our customers. Right. Um, and we hear an awful lot from from some of them, um, right. <laughs> but that that, tw- that 25% tend to be, um, you know, more on the people who are sort of beginners because we get most of our support requests from people in the early days of them using Perch, you know, sure. they're just getting used to it and they're finding out what things are. So we, what we're not hearing from are our more developer users anyway. We don't hear from them. Um, right. We'll occasionally see on Twitter someone will say, oh, you know, and I'm using Perch to do this. And you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but But yeah, we don't. So I think like anyone you you have a slightly sort of skewed view of of who's using your software it's and it's important to kind of bear in mind that that sort of silent majority who you don't hear from who are perfectly happy right uh, <laughs> and who are who are using the software um because you, you know because you only hear from a certain subset but yeah i think marketing is just really difficult um and especially because that group the group who find perch easy to use and they and are possibly using a cms for the first time have been really vocal for us and they're always posting and saying how brilliant it is, and they're great. You know, they're, right. they're doing that job for us. But I think because of that, if anyone looks up about Perch, they'll find an awful lot of people using it in that way. Right. That's and, so simple and kind of yeah. focusing on those aspects. Yeah. But then again, you know, we saw someone on Reddit today complaining that Perch had got bloated because we'd added features. So, I mean, you know, you, you can't <laughs> win. Um, <laughs> you cannot win. Yeah, well, but, you, that's the thing I find interesting about Perch because, like, you know, for HelpSpot, you know, it's a much more pure, uh, light enterprise kind of space. And you guys are on the smaller end of our normal customers being a couple users. But, you know, the average is much more towards the like five to ten user and installation range. So you're, you're normally dealing with these bigger organizations. But Perch is almost like it's like the middle between like B2C and B2B because you're dealing, I'm sure, with a lot of individuals and a lot of smaller agencies and yeah. I'm sure some personal use folks mm-hmm. who are just running their own blog or website or whatever. So you kind of have that straddling those worlds a little bit more than something like a help spot that's just purely business and you know mm-hmm. for more medium-sized businesses. Yeah, I mean quite a lot of our customers are – yeah, kind of more like dealing with VC, although they are businesses generally. Right. Uh, they're kind of your sort of one person business. I think that there's a, a mix there. A lot of it, it's that thing about people spending their own money. Um, I think if they're, when it's a one person shop, they're just a freelancer essentially. You know, if they're spending money on your product, they are spending their own money because right. they're just, you know, they're just a freelancer. And and I think there is a difference once you get to those companies where they see the business as a separate entity. and. Right. You know, I, I feel very different about spending business money than I do about spending my personal money. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> although, although, you know, essentially the business is myself and Drew, my husband, you know, right. we, it, there's, it there's a difference. Feel different. With, it does feel different, you know, and I think that that's, that's somewhere you get to when, once you stop kind of just seeing yourself as being a freelancer. Well, I've earned this money. I'm now going to go spend it. Right. Um, and, and yeah, so I think we do have a bit of that sort of um, 
sort of more of a consumer feel sometimes with some of our some of our customers um and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know um but they they do tend to they tend to talk to us more than the the businesses who've kind of got some sort of set process they use perch for Right. And they'll just buy licenses and install it on sites, and we don't tend to hear from them. And have you guys thought about doing like I mean, this? Came up on the thread a little bit, but like a pro version that charges more, you know, maybe has a different support level, or uh, I'm assuming you guys wouldn't necessarily want to break it out by features so much, but um, you know, maybe it's like an unlimited site version or a 50 pack site version, or because I think you got, your pricing right now is just it's just the 79, right? 79 a site, and that's mm, it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, the way we price it kind of works well in that it works with the way that people tend to charge their customers because mm. you sort of your average small agency they'll build a site, they'll quote for a site, they'll build that site, they will include in their quote any bits of software that the customer needs, you know, so whether it's right. perch or whether it's an e-commerce thing or whatever it is they're getting or font, um, and then the customer will pay for it. Um, so having this kind of per website charge actually works very well for the majority of, of our customers. Mm. And it does give us a kind of recurring revenue thing, because if we get, I mean, we've got people who've got, you know, getting on for a hundred licenses. Right. Um, so although we're not software as a social, don't have that nice thing of people buying into it and then getting charged every month, we do have people who come back and buy more than one license per month. Um, so that kind of works quite well, and I don't think we're likely to change that model, um, just because I think it, it does seem to work pretty well for most people. Um, so you, you guys offer support forever at, after the single purchase at seventy nine, or is yeah. there? There's no yearly yeah. anything, right? No, we just we just help them out because typically with these things, people only need support when they're building the website. Right. So you'll get a whole bunch. They'll buy a license. You'll hear from them a lot in support. And then you don't hear from them again um, until they buy another license for the next site, and they need to do something different. And they need to ask you how to do it. Right. Um, you know, you might you might hear you might get someone pop back because they've upgraded and something's gone a bit weird. Well, we want to hear about that anyway. We want to help them. Right. Um, you know, or we might they might want to say add add one of our free apps to the to their site. So we've got you know like a blog. They want to add a blog, and they might just have some questions. But generally, um, you know, we're not swamped by by people because of that mm. support offer. You know, I mean, I say there are some people we hear from a lot, but we don't hear from the majority of people at all. This sort of brings up a related thread also from the forum, <clears throat> um, which I liked. Uh, Uniar, I think, from MacForm. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a sort of uh, on-premise versions of Wufu, I guess. It's a form mm-hmm. builder software, and they're $49 a site. And they have prominently featured thing where he says, we provide free installation. And, I mean, they're giving away the PHP source with the package and everything. So, for him, free installation is 10-minute conveyor belting type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I asked him about whether it's really, um, you know, a big support overhead if you prominently display that you're providing free installation. And he said that, really, only a small fraction of the customer base requests it, but Mm -hmm. everybody benefits from the the offer everybody sort of appreciates the offer and it pushes the sales that much more but mm-hmm. only a few really take advantage of it so it doesn't cost them anything but yeah. it provides so much just because of that offer yeah i think it's the same thing you know with with saying you get support you know people know they can come and ask us stuff if they need to and you know we do have an awful lot of people who it when they install purchase the first time they've had to mess around with MySQL, for instance, mm-hmm. and they're just not sure about how to, what to do or how you know how do they create a database. Or it might be the first time they've had to, they've 
sort of wanting to set up like a local development environment. So they're kind of, well, how do I do that? You know, how do we get ZAMP or one of these things running so mm. they can run PHP locally? And, you know, I'm happy to help people with that if it gets them, it gets them going because, you know, once we've helped someone out with that sort of stuff, then they know they're not going to get that kind of help if they jump over to WordPress or whatever. You know, they're going to be in a huge forum of people who might help them. Um, right. You know, whereas they've given us money, we're going to help them. And, and people can see that in the forums and so on that we're doing that. We're obsessed with pricing here. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I keep coming back to Spolsky, who, who almost, I had the feeling that he almost regretted at, at a certain point having an installable version, at least on Unix, of, of um, Fug Creek, because there was this, from what he describes, this massive, like, like a full-time and a half person dedicated massive amount of support just to install Fug bugs on Mm. On on Unix, and a lot of people are doing that version of of uh, deployment, like Perch and, and uh, Mac forms, and don't seem to be having that much overhead. And <clears throat> at first, I thought that maybe maybe it is uh, you know like a terrible idea to have an installable version on Unix. But then, at one point, I did try to install Fogbugs on uh, Ubuntu. I think it was. And that thing has like a million and a half dependencies. It has right, like the yeah. .NET yeah. framework on Unix, which alone took forever to install. And both Fugbugs and Jira, which is like the Java Dark mm. Forest version of the same thing, <laughs> was like impossible to install. And I'm I'm not like I'm a techie. Like I feel comfortable with these things, and I still had like enough mm. of a frustration of an experience to install. So I'm thinking maybe it had less to do with the fact that. Uh, the world of Unix installation, server installation is so differentiated, more having to do with the fact that maybe you approach the product from the perspective that everything is going to be as easy as a Windows EXT yeah. double-click. I think that's, I think it, having too many dependencies, I mean, because to install Perch, you need very, very little. You need, like, we support down to PHP 5.2, which is already deprecated. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We don't require that people have a whole load of things compiled into into PHP. It's very, very simple what it needs. Um, and that's, you know, that was a, a decision we made to make sure that as many people could run it as possible with, without needing to request special stuff. Um, we don't encrypt the source, for instance, because just actually having a way to decrypt that, then that mean, means they have to have that on their server and not everybody does. So, you know, we do all sorts of stuff to try and make it as easy as possible. Um, uh, you know, we support both GD and image magic for images, for example, because some servers have one, some have the other. Um, mm. So it's all that. So, yeah, I mean, I think, the more sort of dependencies you have or if you need a very new version of something, um, that's going to cause problems because people won't have it. Um, whereas the simpler you can make it and the more you can make it run on every server, uh, then, then the easier it's going to be. I know Ian for Userscape uh, for HelpSpot partnered up with a, a hosting provider. Uh, have you guys considered that or are you doing that? Yeah, we've sort of. Every now and again we kind of think about it. Um, yeah, it, I think it's just really it, it's whether we want to be recommending a specific place, and then just because you know hosts can be great, and then suddenly get bought out and become terrible, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, and then it's you know we've got customers all over the world, and people are going to really want to host where they are um, and not where we are. Um, so it's yeah, and we've kind of considered. I mean, what we what we tend to do is, if people are asking, we took it out to the forum and say, "Look, has anyone got a good host to recommend?" Um, we can certainly tell people who to avoid. Um, right. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hosting—it's yeah. such a crazy challenge. Like, there's a lot of complexity to it, and 
yeah, bad hosts. Or, and even just when you have somebody good to work with, it's, it's just a lot of messiness around the whole, the whole situation. I think in your guys' case too, it's probably a lot of people who already have, you know, they're using it to build their website. Either they already have a host for their website or they're looking for more than just, they're looking for more than just perch hosting a lot of times, I would suspect, mm-hmm. where they want yeah. a host for their entire kind of web presence. Maybe mm-hmm. they want email, you know, they might need SSH access. Like it's going to actually be a true web hosting account that they need mm-hmm. and not just a, a kind of modified perch only setup. So there's a lot, lot there. And once you get the hosting, it's, you know, 24 seven, you know, it's kind of comes yeah. on you a little bit. And we find out a lot with HelpSpot, even though we only recommend our partner, you know, people come to us very often, even though we're very clear about it everywhere, you know, the end users aren't, they don't understand that there's a difference between us and them because mm-hmm. the person who signed up is somebody else. And, you know, so you get into all that kind of stuff as well. It, you know, makes yeah. it more complicated. Yeah. I mean, it's why when, when we did services, we never ho- did hosting for, for clients. We always would recommend them people or would say, yeah, we can help you get set up on this host, but we'd always get them to take out the contract with the host. Right. So that, so that you know, if, if their site was down, they could contact the host and say, well, why is my site down? You know, because it's probably going to be the hosting and not us, you know. Right, <laughs> so. right, exactly. And it's going to be two in the morning, you know, on a holiday. Because <laughs> it's yeah. always two in the morning on a holiday. Right. <laughs> yeah. When, when, I, when I worked for, I, I did my share of babysitting servers and things when I worked for dot-com companies. So, yeah, that's that. <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, you had mentioned that within the first 24 hours of launching Perch, you guys managed to break even. What did you mm-hmm. guys do? Like, did you do something explicit, something special that you were like, strategized within the 24 hours? <laughs> or your no, pre, pre-launch? Did you do anything? We know nothing about strategy. I think what we did is we, we put up about a month before we start, we decided, yes, we're definitely going to do this. We'll start talking about it. We put up a, a sort of a holding page really with um, Bat by Campaign Monitor, um, just saying, oh, we're doing this thing. And there was a video that Drew had done on there. And we just started talking about it. I mean, we had a, I mean, there was a benefit because Drew and I are both fairly well known in the sort of web sort of circles as, you know, we both write stuff and talk at conferences and things. So we kind of just used our own personal networks, really, to say, hey, we're doing this cool thing. Do you want to sign up and find out about it? Um, and we had about 500-odd people, I think, on that initial list. Oh, that's good. Um, and so we just emailed them once we were ready to, to launch, and a load of people came and bought, despite the fact we had no demo and no way to download it to try it out first. They, they right. bought it really <laughs> on the strength of um, a product video and us saying, here, this is going to be good, <laughs> which was, which was uh, amazing confidence, really. <laughs> so, well, I guess yeah. that's a good thing, too, early on, because I think your price was, I know you just raised it, right? So it was like 59 right? Yeah, I assume so, when you yeah. launched or yeah. even less. Yeah. So. so I'm trying to think what the conversion was, but it was about $50, I think. Um, right, so there's a low, there wasn't, they trusted you already and mm. it wasn't going to cost them a week's pay or anything like that to try yeah. it out. So that's a great, great thing to make it simple for people early on, especially before you have any word of mouth really or anything like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, between us, we had enough enough people had kind of worked with us on one thing or another, or, you know, and sort of knew of us. And I guess thought that we probably wouldn't be saying it was good if it wasn't right um <laughs> you know i mean we, so we've both been involved in things like the web standards project and that kind of you know it's, it's that sort of crowd we really thought of when we were developing it um yeah. so so yeah we were kind of talking to our audience there and people who already had trust with us which i think is and that's been it's a real advantage of going into something that you know well and where you're known in because you can do that sort of thing right 
Well, that's one of the, the challenges we always talk about on the podcast about with Andre, because even though Antares known in mobile a bit, it's like the mobile space is so weird because like, you know, who's really known or not known and how mm-hmm. do you even communicate with people who do know you? It's like, it's so, uh, so backwards over there. Right yeah. I, it, it looks a nightmare. I, I, listen, I listen to your podcast. I, I just think I'm so glad I'm not in that world. <laughs> it's like terrifying. That seems like, to be the general Andre consensus. Andre's sold to 100,000 people, but like he can't actually reach any of them. So you know, now I know you guys. Uh, you started uh, sort of lecturing and, and giving talks and writing. I don't know whether h- how long before you launched Perch that you started on doing that, but I know you. Somewhere I read that you sort of uh, uh, decided to uh, refocus on that or focus on that uh, as your second most highest priority after Perch after you launched Perch. Um, how important do you uh, consider uh, that? task of sort of doing talks and, and writing and that part of your life uh, in, in with respect to your business yeah so I mean I've been writing for years and years I think I wrote my first sort of few chapters of a book maybe it was like 2002 2003 something like that I've been writing for a very long time um, mainly about front-end development and things and I that just kind of came about because I was writing stuff on my own site and I got asked and I've you know I've written a whole bunch of books um, so the speaking, I guess, is, is more recent. Um, and again, as people kept asking me and I eventually, you know, once my daughter got old enough that, you know, I wasn't having to sort of be around for her so much, you know, she sort of does her own thing now. It makes right. speaking and traveling and things a bit more possible. Um, but in terms of perch, it's been really, really valuable. Um, you know, we have a sort of, you know, how did you hear about us thing on the, the demo sign up. And if I've been speaking somewhere, even if I'm talking about something completely unrelated, so I'd, you know, I, I still talk quite a bit about CSS, for instance. Um, so I'll be talking about CSS somewhere. And then, you know, when I come back, I start to see people coming in and saying, oh, you know, I spoke to Rachel or I saw Rachel speak at this conference and thought I'd check it out. So I think it's just being visible, I think, is quite valuable. And you don't even have to be talking about your business. Um, I mean, I, I do talk, I've, I've got a, a talk I do about um, about providing support, for instance. Um, and so sometimes I am talking specifically about, about Perch, but not always. Um, and, and even so, I think, I guess people just see someone who seems to know what they're talking about a bit. And so they're more willing to go and check out what you're doing, really. That was a great video about the support, too. I, I watched it, obviously. It mentions us, which is, yeah. thank you. <laughs> but, uh, but even besides us, um, that was just a very... Very good talk. But what I really liked about it too is that you don't, people don't ever talk about support. You know what I mean? Like you go to these web conferences and it's all like this newfangled widget or whatever is hot Google wave or whatever everybody's hot on at that moment. But like it's like one of those things that everybody does in their business but doesn't get a lot of attention. So I just thought it was really cool you picked that as a topic uh, in yeah, general. It's just hugely important. I mean, it's it's the thing people talk about most about perch, really. You know, is yeah. in almost every you know someone will recommend us. You know, see on Twitter or whatever, and right. you know, one of the main things people say is, "Oh, and the support's brilliant." Right. You know, yeah, it's, it's really, right. really, really, it's really important to people, especially when they're providing services to their clients with your software. Right. You know, they want to know if it all goes pear shaped. They can. They've got someone to talk. <laughs> to, you know? Right. Yeah. Especially nowadays. I mean, with it's so easy for people to share the good and the bad and uh, all those kind of things. It's, it's, and it's always a great differentiator for a small company where you can kind of have that personal touch and 
you know, they know they talk to the founder and not to mm. somebody 10 levels away from the founder or whatever. It's always, people seem to appreciate that. So I've actually found that I, over the years, I kind of got burned out on it. I, I remember actually now with the forum and, and UberDeck, it's kind of changed around a little bit. I found a little bit of, a little bit more fire under me for that. But with the mobile stuff, I remember initially 2000, whatever it was, pulling off the side of the road because somebody emailed me about something that they downloaded and I had to make sure that I was able to answer it within like a couple of minutes of getting the help spot ticket. But now it's like, whatever. <laughs> Delete. Uh, that's why the mobile world's so wacky. You're, it's so incremental. It's so tiny. It's like this 70 cents. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. Even though it's important to build those good relationships and that might help you, I can see where it could get frustrating as well. Uh, the thing is, that I find that sort of custom support is kind of so much less stressful than client support. You know, when they've paid you a huge amount of money to build something and they're annoyed about something that really isn't anything to do with you. But even right. so, there's a t- totally different relationship there. And it's that's I found that very stressful. Whereas the actual sort of people with a support ticket or whatever, you know, that's that's not too bad, you know. Um you it, it's control there. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's almost universal that people could people could sit at a full time job at a corp somewhere for fifty years and be totally fine. But if they switch over to consulting, where they essentially do exactly the same thing except from the comfort of their bedroom, they get horribly unhappy with it within like four months. And they have to switch over to products. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did it for a long time, really. But I think, I think partly was that really the way people are building websites and things is changing quite a lot. And that kind of model of a design agency chucking us a bunch of Photoshop documents and us building them and sending it back, that used to work when websites are pretty simple. And it doesn't really work anymore. And I think we were, you know, we were getting to a point where we kind of needed to change the whole way we did business. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't think we really, you know, I think at that point we're like, well, do we completely change how we do business? Do we spend more time in-house, for instance, rather than in our own office, you know, go, sort of going and actually working with people a bit more? Um, and did we want to do that? And, you know, there was, there was kind of a whole bunch of things. I think we'd have had to make a change in the business anyway just to reflect the way that, that people are building websites now. And so I guess it was kind of time and we were getting a bit disillusioned with it really, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it had been a long time. You probably hear more from the disillusioned folks too, you know, that's... That's the way it usually is. They've yeah. had enough of consulting and they're out. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I know, I know some, some very good you know, web companies who are doing, that's what they do. They build stuff for people and they're, they're doing a great job and, and love it. Right. So it's, it's not everybody, but, but yeah. Actually, a more technical question I thought of before that, that kind of leads into, which is, you know, with how much like websites are changing and, you know, it's not, it's not always so easy to just you know, take some design and throw it up in a CMS and that's it. Like, have you guys started doing anything with like varnish or load balance perch instances? Or like, have you guys gotten into some of that more advanced stuff or the use cases aren't really, you know, like that for perch? I was curious. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, our stuff's, stuff. yeah. I mean, uh, Drew's 24 ways website, my blog, uh, that they're all run, uh, behind varnish. I think there's stuff we okay. could probably, I think there's probably stuff we could do to make, um, things like, you know, busting the cache and stuff when you publish a change or whatever, a bit mm. easier. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we use it and we know that other people are using it because we sometimes hear from people who've sort of got ideas about how that might work better. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I put everything, you that's know, for, uh, put a cache in front of everything really, but that's, <laughs> that's me. Um, Perch pro, Perch pro. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> yeah. We're building so, ideas. But, 
I'm, I'm always, I'm amazed actually that more, more hosts aren't offering that sort of thing anyway, you know, yeah. because I mean, well, I mean, when I'm, cause I moved my, my blog off, off WordPress into perch, we did a, an importer for WordPress posts and mm-hmm. I've, you know, I, and I, cause I was, my site was being taken down even with all these WordPress caching things running and stuff. Right. Um, every time, um, an article of mine was mentioned by Karen McGrain in a, a speech that she was doing at an event apart and she'd do this speech and she'd mention it and she, she was live, she was live tweeting a talk. And every time she mentioned my site, my site would go down because it, it was WordPress. And this is driving me mad. Yeah. So I, I moved it to Perch and it's been fine ever since. But, um, but yeah, I mean, caching stuff's generally a good idea. I'd, I'm not sure why why more hosts don't offer that, yeah, that it's sort amazing of service. How far WordPress has gotten when you always hear like the same horror stories every time, and yet it's like you know, fifteen percent of the internet or whatever it is. Like, but it's it's it's. But crazy. most people don't. Most people don't care. Yeah. Uh, most most people don't care if the site goes down for a bit. They're like, oh, oh, my site's gone down. Oh, just wait a bit, everybody. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> you see people on Twitter. They're like, oh, if you just wait a while, and then then it'll be back again. You know, like that, that's not acceptable. <laughs> right. oh, my so I was looking at. Uh, I know you had written some books, but you've really written a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> I just went over to the page and like, I knew you had written books, but I was like, holy cow, this is a huge list of books. So uh, what's that like? I mean, having, I mean, you're all the way back to Dreamweaver MX. Yeah. I mean, I was, is yeah, that even when it was, books, yeah. was that Macromedia <laughs> still? Dreamweaver yes. was somebody else first, right? Or no? Yeah, I was but, involved uh, in being Macromedia. Yeah, and both Drew and I, well, and you know, that's really sort of when Drew and I got together, that was we were both doing Dreamweaver stuff. I think Drew actually convinced me to use Dreamweaver, and then you know oh. we we joined the Web Standards Project to set up the um, Dreamweaver Task Force, and we sort of worked on the Macromedia betas for um, some of those some of the versions of Dreamweaver when they were trying to sort of increase the standards compliance of, of the markup and things. Right. Um, so yeah, I was really quite involved with with Dreamweaver, and that's why I ended up writing a bunch of stuff about it. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah. Do, do you get like, royalties of eight dollars a quarter of a year, like I do? Because you get yeah. no money off of writing at all. People seem yeah. to think that it's like tons and tons of millions, but it's like nothing. Yeah, writing it, writing and speaking. You think that people think that you're earning money from them, but I mean, the the CSS anthology earned me a reasonable amount of money. Not kind of the money I could earn by writing code. You know, writing about writing code doesn't earn you money. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, however. Having the books, I mean, certainly when we were doing um, consultancy, I think the books, you know, I never had to advertise because once yeah. you've got books, people think you know what you're talking about, you know. Um, so <laughs> Credibility there. Yeah. So have you thought about writing another and doing it on something like, like a lot of the people in the Laravel community are using LeanPub and, you know, they're able to charge $29, $39 for the eBooks and they're not, your books, you know, for the most part, more substantial um, and not saying in terms of content necessarily, but just in terms of their big traditional books, the older ones there at least, and uh, um, and like self-publishing an ebook that's more profitable. Do you have any more ebook ideas? Yeah, I mean, I, I, keep, th- I keep thinking of doing this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did a, a sort of pocket guide thing recently for Five Simple Steps, and that's a lot, a lot more of a sort of a small-scale publisher doing doing stuff in a slightly, well, certainly a better way in terms of authors because they sort of do a profit share basically with authors rather than you get like, you know, I mean, traditional publishing, you, you're lucky if you get, you know, 20 cents or whatever a book, so it's, right. you get nothing for it. Um, whereas some of the smaller companies more do this sort of profit share thing where actually you do potentially make a bit a bit more for, for the work you do. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think the I like the sort of self-publishing. I think the, the problem with a lot of the self-publishing is you do lose that having a good editor and having a good mm-hmm. editor is incredibly worthwhile. Right. Um, and I think there's quite a few of the books I've read have got great content, but you just, you know, they really could have done with someone going through them and, and doing a proper job editing them. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I've, you yeah, probably outsource that somewhere, find some I think so, that yeah. aspect of it, you'd think, or think somebody so. should be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that would be a great service, wouldn't it? To, you know, someone actually doing that kind of good copy editing, particularly, you know, quite a lot of people writing. It's There are very few people who are good developers and also good at writing. And, right. you know, it, they're, they're, different, they're different skills. Um, I mean, it, you know, and I've, I've done masters of writing. Yeah, I mean, I do, this, I do this column for a list apart. And just before we started recording this, I was uh, going through the, the edit that had come back from from their editor and you know it's amazing how well a good editor can just help you really sort of craft sentences and and make sure that things are clear and your meaning's clear um so i think i think i'd miss that if i completely self-publish something um interesting i think i think i'd be looking for someone to do that i think i'd need to know that i could afford to pay someone to do that job um right have you guys thought about hiring uh, anybody are you guys gonna hire staff there edge of my seat or (laughs) Yeah, well, we we know we want to keep as a kind of virtual business. We actually got rid of our office. We had an office, a lovely office, actually, when we were doing services. And then as we did less client stuff, we didn't need to have any meetings. We just realized we were kind of paying for two places for us to sit in, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> for the two of us to sit in. So so when the office came up for renewal, we decided that we would just come back to working from home. So And we quite like that now. Um, it was nice having the office, but yeah, it's kind of nice working from home. Uh, so I don't think we really want to get back into a needing to be in one place and having an office and working business hours and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, however, I think possibly on the support front, um, you know, because we've got quite a lot of customers in like Australia and things, and that's a really mm. bad time zone for us because right. they tend to be working when we're, we're asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind answering support things, you know, from the States at like, you know, in the evening while I'm watching telly, I'm quite happy to do support then. But right. if, you know, there is, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a period of time, um, you know, Australia is a really bad time difference for the UK. So yeah. it'd be quite nice to find people, um, in other time zones who could cover a bit of even just the sort of frontline support, just because so much of it is, you know, let me look that up in the docks for you, you know, right, right, <laughs> it's, right. It's, yeah, there's more or just problems with people's hosting, you know, it's a case of going to their host site and searching around and finding how to configure PHP sessions or whatever it is. Right. Uh, just the real frontline, simple stuff. Yeah. Like clear out 80% or 90% of them. Oh yeah. And you know, the stuff that needs to come to us often then is stuff that needs investigating properly anyway. You know, right. if someone thinks they've found a bug or I've got some, really big implementation problem that we're, you know, we're going to need to actually set up and have a look at. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's possibility. I think there's also, you know, keep thinking about maybe getting someone involved in doing the sort of the apps for perch. Cause you know, we've got, you know, we have things like blog and events and so on, these sort of plug-in things for, for people to use. Someone could quite easily be blasting through a load of those that people have asked for. Um, so I think there's, yeah, there's possibilities there. Well, shouldn't you be selling these plugins? No, because that again, that's I tell, something. No, I tell you, I tell you why. I tell you because that's the model that a lot of other things that of our competitors have. Sure. In fact, some of them have this kind of free core product, and then 
you know, so like, oh, you know, our core product is free, but then you have to pay to do things like remove the branding or you have to pay to uh, go multilingual or you have to Nickel and dime you to this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's it's coming back to people, how people run these small agencies. They want to be able to say to the client, this job's going to cost this much. And they don't want to be constantly going back. You know, if the client says, oh, you know, I want to remove all that stuff from the company that sold the CMS. And they go, oh, well, that's another $50. Or, you know, mm. it, it doesn't really fit that well with how people sell stuff. And I just want people to know how much they're going to have to pay. Um, right. and, you know, so it can, you know, I think, again, it's, it's, it's a different choice. But what it does mean is we don't ever have to worry about anything else that people might want to use. You know, if it's there, they can use it. Um, right. Keep and, it simple. You know, it does keep it, it keeps it simple. I think, I think it has been quite a big part of how it's been so successful because people just know, well, it's this much. That's how much it is. There's no, right. you don't have to start adding up little bits and pieces. Yeah, there are different choices in, in, the, in the machinery of your business, sort of like pricing schemes, for example. Being different means absolutely nothing from other people. The only correct choice is the one that works for your company. And because... Mm-hmm. Um, you hear Hacker News, everybody has a three-tier pricing column, then doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have one. In fact, it may be the completely wrong thing for your business entirely, and you're just being swayed by sort of the, the popular opinion that grew out of nothing. Mm, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, we are selling into a market that we were really part of. You know, we we kind of know how those companies sell to their customers, and so we're always fairly sensitive about that when we make decisions. Um to try and make it as easy as possible for people to use Perch. Um, I'm, so, desperately, yeah. I'm desperately trying to find a way to make you more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, do, it's, it's, uh, it's doing pretty well in terms of... Um, yeah, no, you, you seem know, to be doing great. But. It's, 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 I mean, you know, we're not having to take on any client work now, which is, is brilliant, and that's just yeah. totally on, on, it, on no, its that's growth. It's amazing. Yeah. Where, where can he, are you speaking anywhere that people could go see you? Uh, soon soonish um i am doing what am i doing i'm doing future of um future of web apps it is in london um in october uh, that's the end of october um and i'm, I'm also i'm doing i'm actually talking about css there but i'm also doing a workshop about shipping products um so about all the other stuff you need to do as well as build your products so things like mm. you know the site and how you sell things and you know, all that other stuff that you think that right. takes far longer than actually doing the product in the first place. You, know? right, right. <laughs> you think, yes, yeah. we're ready to go. And then like, oh, no, I've got to do all this stuff, like documentation. Infrastructure. And, yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I'm sort of always very interested in anyway. So I've put together this workshop in the middle of putting together this workshop, um, which I'm going to do there. And I'm also going to do for Smashing Magazine. They have a sort of workshop series and I'm going to go and do it later in the year for Smashing Mag as well. Um, so that'll be fun. Oh yeah, uh, that'll be like online. Then I take it, or no, no, Smash mag, or they do it in person. Actual going to going to Freiburg in Germany and and doing it oh, there, okay. um, which which would be good fun. I I spoke at their conference um, uh, last year on on content management. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's that's fun. They they they're a good crowd at Smashing Mag. So right, yeah, that's great. I mean. You got to do those in the U.S. Come on, I want that would be a great one. I would love to see that one. That We're one, the I'm backward sure ones. Them. We're the backward ones. You don't understand. I know. Yeah. That should be a good excuse for me to go over there. So maybe I'll. We keep we keep talking about how we love the bird. We're, we're both. I guess. I don't know if it's, nobody knows. People know we're like the biggest Anglophiles. 
me and Ian just wish we were like resurrected as proper British gentlemen at some point. <laughs> but I read a long time ago somebody on one of these stack exchange sites posted that um, was it the case that and you know during the revolution in the early settlement days that Americans would have had a British accent. And at what point did that disappear? And then I went and researched this, and I saw somewhere like on Wikipedia or something that it's actually the case that at that time, even the Brits had more of an American accent. And right. it's the English that wind up changing it. And, and the Americans sounded sound now like they used to sound back then, along with the British. And it's the British accent that changed, not the American <laughs> one. I don't buy that for one <laughs> I'm not. I do not buy that. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping the dream alive. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm from the northeast of of England, so uh, I, I, I've got a certain sort of British accent anyway. I'm right. Always always very aware that that we talk very fast. There? Ian calls <laughs> yours the the proper clean British accent. I, th- I, I think he compares it to like the way people speak in the Office, the 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 television show, The Office, where you need like the Eng- English to English translation at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, because I'm, I'm, I'm from the northeast, and uh, my accent's not as strong, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm what they call a Geordie. And um, there was some program with with Geordies on where they had to subtitle it, even in English. Just <laughs> like say, yeah, because some some of those regional accents get really, really strong and, and almost like a different language. <laughs> I gotta just tour around for like two months and just wander. I'll go into every region, just soak it in. <laughs> well, you're going to uh, you're going, where are you going recently? Uh, soon, where are you going to? Netherlands Amsterdam, Amsterdam, yeah, Netherlands. So it's just around the corner. I should just hop over there for a you couple should. days. Yeah, it takes no time at all. <laughs> That's true. I could take the tunnel. I want to go through the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good fun going through the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should do that. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Um, do you have any questions? We, we kept Rachel on for an hour. It's late. <laughs> I have one more question. Okay, go. I, I always uh, assumed you guys did the design, which I really love for the Perch site. But oh, Perch is awesome. It's just, the, it's just the, the right amount of cute to be completely out of my reach. Yeah, like if I tried to be this cute, it would be a total disaster. But like it's, it's absolutely perfect. So, so I was just wondering who did the design. Right. So the um, Paddy Donnelly designed our recent site. Um, the little birds were done by a chap called Kev Adamson. I can send you the links actually, so you yes, can add them to I'll the add them to the show notes. To the notes, yeah. yeah so yeah, I mean that was that because we're not designers. We 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 started the when we did the original site. We we put it together, right. and we'd found some stock illustrations of little birds. Um, and yeah, it was kind of okay, but it was a bit designed by a programmer. Um, so, so once it started making money, we had the site properly designed and we had the little bird characters drawn, uh, by Kev Adamson and they've been just really successful for us. People really like, (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it's Um, great. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we sort of every now and again, get things made like little badges we've got and, you know, people like stuff like that. We, and yeah, the, the birds are great. People talk to the bird, you know. <laughs> right, right. Well, they're so distinctive. You just see it. And you know exactly what it is. And uh, it's yeah. cute, but it's not cheesy cute. Like, it's just the right amount. It makes yeah, the site cute. feel like a place, you know? Like yeah. A- yeah, I think it, it, part of it was trying to make Perch seem accessible to people. You know, not like a scary technical thing. Quite a lot of... Um, CMSs and, and software and things it goes a bit macho, you know. It's all a bit sort of rah technical, and so right. we were just trying to be something a bit different, really. Um, but yeah, the, it it's surprising actually how that kind of brand has 
as as sort of served as well because we're you know we're not we're not marketing and branding people we don't really know a lot about this stuff so <laughs> it, it has worked well yeah no it's great i i uh I've always liked it a lot. Yeah, definitely, this the site looks a little different than on, from the previous time that I remember with this big tree here. Mm. I don't know if that's fairly recent or I just haven't been here for a while. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the great. recent. Yeah, that's the stuff that that um, then Paddy Donnelly from Left uh, he did he did that that stuff for us and yeah, it's 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 good fun. We uh, we have we have fun with with the sort of identity and things and. Yeah, so I remember my, my favorite. So I saw someone, you know, saying, "Oh, I don't like that chicken." <laughs> I'm not a chicken, I'm a bird. <laughs> uh, we can't please everybody. You know? Can't win. Uh, but, uh, no, it's, it's it's good fun. It's, it's definitely good to have some kind of identity. I think that people remember. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah. All right. So where where can people find you? Yeah, um, well, most of my sort of personal stuff is at rachelandrew.co.uk because I'm in the UK and perches grabaperch.com um, and I'm on Twitter as Rachel Andrew. In fact, I'm in most places at Ra- as Rachel Andrew. So. There you Great. go. All right, Ian, anything else? Yeah, that's it. Thanks right. a lot for coming on. Thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. And um, you're also on the forums, so just yeah. to mention that again, the discuss.bootstrap.fm where Rachel is a mod and admin thanks for helping us with that and uh, we'll be back again um, oh I guess all, all, all our stuff is uh, all of our stuff is on bootstrap.fm all the old episodes are on there and also on iTunes and our Twitter handles are on there as well if you want to reach out and uh, ask us a question or something and uh, we'll be back again <laughs> next really week it there. yeah man <laughs> <laughs> talk to you guys later alright thanks everybody bye